0: Welcome to our podcast, Revival in Jesus' Way. Disciple-making is Jesus' way to change the world. This is the one mission that His people should focus on.
1: There is only one way, His way, to create lasting transformation. And God is calling His church to wake up.
0: I'm your host, Tim Keho,
1: And I am Ying yan So
0: we are on part eight of our series on church cliches small groups the pastor's formula for disciple making this is going to be a two-part cliche talk the first part today we're going to talk about the cliche itself and kind of dismantle it a little bit and then next time we'll be talking about what we think the solution is for the problems we'll we'll point out today in general we're doing this cliche series as a reminder uh, because cliches are the lies which tend to put up walls or or stop people from really pursuing disciple making. They're half truths that get people stuck. So uh, this cliche in particular is pretty important because like the title says, uh, this tends to be, small groups tend to be the pastor's formula for disciple making, their main tool, their main mechanism for disciple making. And this is like I, this is another one of those things that's not true just of one denomination here or there, but it's kind of a cross, at least in the West and in other places where it's no matter what denomination you're you're in, You, we've been at churches and served with churches in all different denominations really. And there's always this idea and this promotion that small groups, the churches, small groups, being involved in them is going to be the way that you are going to reach maturity that, that people can't do it alone you can't do it alone you can't hang alone you got to um, have some help and it, the best way Christians are going to grow is going to be around other believers and because it's so it's leaned on in such a way it's kind of used in such a way as this main mechanism and although you do also see like a teaching at churches which is kind of like Sunday school a lot of times, because of, I think, some of the anti-intellectualism that's entered into the church, uh, a lot of times the more teaching things are kind of seen as a nice extra. But from what we've seen, it's usually small groups are talked about as the mechanism, the thing that's going to help you to grow. So it, that's that's why we feel like this is a pretty important one to um, focus in on this time.
1: So in short, the problem is, pastors or church leaders think disciple making happen in small groups and then disciple making but disciple making doesn't happen in small groups mm-hmm. uh, in most of modern small groups that's just later we'll just use the name modern small group as to um, the majority small groups um, in in the US or we would just say in the US uh, which is not according to Jesus small group model
0: mm-hmm. yeah that it's at least the way that pastors are treating it is it should be producing itself producing a certain kind of thing uh we'll show but what a a certain kind of person a certain kind of yeah person a disciple of jesus is what it's meant to eventually be producing but then the end result of what small groups are producing doesn't meet that but then jesus's way in fact does um and it's it's a lot different from the way that we pursue small groups nowadays. And I think you'll see that as the episode goes on, we'll quote some scripture and look at Jesus' way. But the modern small group, it vastly falls short of Jesus' small group.
1: Yeah, so just like uh, one of our favorite disciple-making blocks we always we always refer to, is by our colleague Justin Graven, and he said in one of his articles on um, why do small groups exist and he said western small groups have lost a few of the mission and that makes them very different from every other christ following groups in scripture so i think throughout the ages we just see what what kind of the trick one of the tricks satan always play is uh, uh how do i say like um just, just like people think Okay, disciple making A seminary thinks disciple making should happen in church and church thinks disciple making should happen in seminary and up nobody's doing it. And here is the same. Uh, oftentimes mm. church has many activities, many forms, try to help people grow, but actually people just kind of to push the ball to uh, mm. not even push the ball of responsibility, but it's to imagine something happened there. Either happen there or happen in a mix of mysterious way. It, mm-hmm. it just happens. So you know, but I wouldn't personally follow up a person. I wouldn't personally to do it, but it will happen. Mm-hmm. Let's share a familiar story often of a new believer in a in a church, and uh, I don't even need to say what what kind of a denomination because it's just it's so typical. It's a little bit exaggerating because I uh comp- combine uh what people might need in a in a typical American church here. So I hope you I hope you will you will get the description, the wisdom there, but wouldn't be offended. I call it uh a story the story of Irene. So Irene is a new Christian and she um, came to faith in a uh, gospel camp and she was all, all excited and she wants to learn about God and the scripture and all that. And she uh as everybody else, she began to uh attend church. And um the music is nice and then the I, I think she learned something from the teaching and, and then she, she, she she's eager to talk to other fellow Christians and want to find out how how she can grow. What she uh what she's supposed what is she supposed to do now. So all the answers she gets is like, Oh, you you know, the church is so big and a pastor cannot take care of everybody. Uh, please go to attend one of the small groups, and any any group will welcome you. And so she think, yeah, that that makes sense. You know, just you, you can get to know people in a smaller community. So, um, that's pretty good. And so she began to t- attend immediately, and she uh, she continues to want to grow, and she has many questions about the Bible. Um, but gradually, Irene learned. What the group culture really, really values after maybe half year, one year, and and she learned about. Uh, she always heard because she she's eager to grow, and but she always hear first thing is about um you know growth is not in a hurry. We 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 just you know we we just love each other. God will grow you. Growth is not in a hurry, and it takes a lifetime. And also by the way, growth is such a fussy thing. It uh it happens in a mysterious way. And then uh she find out love is love is more valuable than uh the truth or the fact. Also she learned that something you shouldn't do is to debate because debating uh even on truth is uh unloving mm-hmm. in a group. Uh many if, if any biblical truth cannot be answered in a small group if she will always hear other Christians say you know, uh I'm not God, how how do I suppose to knows those things? I, I still don't know. Even though I, I am a Christian for a long time, I still don't know. And that's the symbol of um uh, being humble and actually um the symbol of having having faith. And so and then but what's more, she really learned that actually nobody's really interested in or say they responsible for her life transformation, for her sanctification because nobody really really cares enough for, for your real life growth um you you occasionally you will get some uh phone maybe some phone calls and people say they pray for you but uh but but, but that's it she still has she's still in many things and then after a while she she thinks uh maybe she wants she, what she wants is too much maybe this is this is what uh christians really supposed to do you just keep many things you don't understand in the cloud, and uh, and growth is a fussy thing, you know. And and also she learned that they really care about um, attendance. So if you don't, attend, you would eventually even not for too long, you would lose even the occasional occasional visits or phone calls, and then you will end up um, no friend and just by yourself, no Christian friends, uh, because nobody wants to personally, really be responsible to grow you to um, maturity, and people don't even talk about the word uh, maturity, because it is a too heavy word for modern people. Nobody wants to be responsible for the other person's anything. So, like what I said, I combine all those things put put together, and uh, if you, and and our simple solution is not like, oh, wow, it's Small group doesn't work. It's not that small group doesn't work. It's what you do, how you run and form a small group. is um, not the same as Jesus. And that's what we will look at later. Mm-hmm. So our simple solution, if we say, wouldn't be like, hey, let's cancel that and just have this Sunday worship. And that's completely not what we mean. But we try to use this um, episode to really look deep into the problem. And to analyze it and to see um, the gap of Mm -hmm. God's blueprint for disciple making, and then um, how small groups play a role, or how small modern small groups don't play a role. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And even when Jesus did disciple making, in a lot of ways, he had a small group through. The twelve disciples who were with him um, wherever he went. He used a small group and would go into even smaller groups. You know, we see in Acts also, the disciples. Peter had people um in several scriptures in Acts. If if you notice, there'll be these um disciples of Peter. Um and then Paul had people like Titus, had people like Timothy who would travel with him. In in kind of a group format, they would go together. So People getting together in smaller groups, I think we would say, is really a good and necessary thing. But then it needs to be in Jesus' way. It needs to be in a way that it's really producing the fruit that God wants out of what a a Christian small group should be.
1: Yeah, and people really share life and really love each other, Um, really invest. Someone like Jesus really invests in the disciples. So, so that's I mean we will share next episode on like how actually exciting and how great and beautiful in a real disciple making group and and how the relationship can be deepened and how uh, each person will grow and also grow as as a group. So it's a great thing. But um, now we go back. We want to uh, show you the gap. So the first the method we use to to the gap. Um, between God's real image, God's real uh, method or plan for small group and uh, the modern small group, um, by comparing the first small group, first disciple-making small group, which is Jesus small group, to uh, a typical modern small group, well, maybe someone who uh, someone who listened to our uh, program would say like, oh, my, but my small group is not like this. My small group is a real disciple-making small group. I mean that's perfect. That uh, God has a, you know, great use for you, and maybe not only you nourish your own small group, but you will keep multiply and also help and teach other small group, well, small groups in other churches to get this model because only Jesus' model is right. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, we have about six tasks to run. To compare about Jesus' small group and the modern small group. So the first one is selection. Uh, So for for Jesus' small group, clearly he prayed all day, uh, all all night. (laughs) He prayed all night and select those people um, because he has more than the twelve to to select from. You know, he has bigger crowd actually um, to follow him, and he specifically select those people and actually later on he even in his um more difficult teaching some people left and then some and um, what what's interesting is later some people ask some people ask jesus like uh like rabbi I'm, I'm going to follow you and then what does jesus say jesus actually says something to kind of scared in away. way so it's it's all in this well, not scared in We try to show them the fact, like like what does following me look like? Do you really want that? So it's a very uh, selective process, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can think about that Jesus had some reasons for picking those people he did that he he noticed. And, and like Anne said, we read in Luke 6, um, verses uh, 12 through 16, it says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when they came, he came to his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. And then it goes on to name all the names of the apostles. But if he spent all night praying beforehand, um, there's, he was listening from God and also there are some real reasons he had for choosing those specific 12 he did for choosing to kind of increase his amount time and effort investment into those certain people um and then like Ann said I think a lot of times probably 90 percent of the time small groups uh the selection process is pretty much non-existent it's kind of whoever Mm -hmm. signs up um, we hear a lot of times from pastors that say, "Well, I can barely get them into small groups," mm-hmm. and then what that shows is that you're not. There's no. There's no filter for who goes to small groups. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of um, usually the way it works. Is there's promotion from up front a lot, and then oh, thank thank you know thank the Lord we got a group of five people that are willing to go and, and be in small groups. group. Yes, yeah, you you beg them you 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 have to really convince them um, to to come into small groups. And then there's
1: no standard. Or or you Mm. lower the bar to the lowest point, as long as you are human and then you wouldn't deny Jesus Mm
0: -mm -mm. verbally. So the people in the group, first off, aren't really selected to be those who are really willing to learn, really willing, really wanting to go further. And, um, Another reason for this, I think, is, and we've talked about it before, but there's kind of a cliche just thinking that it's wrong to choose some people out of other people. Aren't we supposed to love everybody equally? Mm -hmm. Aren't we supposed to have this, you know, this just equality for everyone and and have
1: Jesus unloving?
0: Exactly. And (laughs) I think that's the the test is a lot of times we have to look at it and our definition of something of love, especially we need to take and say well what did Jesus do and Jesus selected some from the group because he was loving and he knew that the the sort of thing he was investing in people for required certain kinds of people who were willing to go further that actually having people who weren't willing to go further was just going to hurt everyone else in the group because that group was going to remain shallow yeah with those and members
1: here is, um uh, one of the example I can think of to illustrate this, um, the the was that the, the result the, the the consequence. Sorry, the 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 consequence, and that's an uh, example I heard from a uh, a seeker. Actually, a seeker in Chinese church, and mm-hmm. then she just opened because she was her personality was very direct, and so she talked to the church leaders, and I was also there in an over the meal, and then she said. I just think the um the the way for the church, um the way to run church specifically their church is silly. She said you just welcome anybody in and um you know many people just want the free ride uh, some people, many people are not really interested in like real repentance and once christianity they they just come in and then uh whenever you have a congregational meeting now when you when you vote. Mm-hmm. And then um they have the majority so the you know, the um the decision wouldn't be made according to God's will. And mm-hmm. you know, I feel like and I think the other the the, the church leader couple was really surprised <laughs> that she would say that but then I felt like, yeah, that's so real. Mm-hmm. I mean I mean she um she is a businessman here, a businesswoman here, mm-hmm. and if she just say something, something matter of fact, like even non-believers can see um, that this wouldn't work. If mm-hmm. she allow anybody into her company who don't share the same vision, mm-hmm. who are not even diligent, then she, she commits suicide for her own business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Her own business will commit suicide. I mean. mm-hmm.
2: So the
1: second point, the difference is, um, well, actually, the size is similar, right? Like uh, 12, 13 people, that's like um, a normal size for a small group. But then Jesus is the master discipler in that small group. Mm-hmm. He is the discipler. He is the spiritual parent for um everyone in that
2: group. And mm-hmm. he
1: intentionally grows everyone. Where nowadays, in the modern small group, People try to, the leader, try to humbly call themselves facilitator, Mm -hmm. And that's a big difference.
0: Yeah, I think um, two verses that kind of come to mind here. When Jesus first called the disciples, like Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, um, come with me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. So Jesus took that responsibility that he was the maker of, them into something. And so he had that kind of responsibility. It wasn't just a group where everyone was going to equally contribute, and they're eventually going to encourage each other so much that they would all move forward. No, there was someone who took responsibility. And then uh, Mark 3.14 has another angle on Jesus' calling and appointing the disciples. And it says, uh, and after he came down from the Mountain, it says, and he appointed twelve so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. And so, who takes the responsibility for the Jesus' small group is Jesus. You know, he is the one they need to be with because they need to learn from him. You know, who is going to make them into fishers of men? He is. So there's Jesus was the person who took the responsibility, and I think real quick we see that repeated too with Paul where Paul with Timothy and Titus and these other guys, you don't get the impression that Paul is just going out with them and they're all going to contribute some part to the whole and do well. No, Paul is actually taking responsibility for those men to see that they become more like him, that they can participate in the ministry, that they can one day be trained up to be more like him and to be able to participate in God's mission in the way that he is.
1: But let's think about why people, uh, why small group leaders nowadays like to call themselves facilitators. Mm,
0: mm-mm. Yeah, I think it's, it's like we had discussed. And again, this is, I think, where you start to see how all these other cliches can kind of feed into some of the strategies of the church today. So like this false humility idea that we need to like kind of denigrate, denigrate ourselves, not say, you know, one person is more mature than another. Uh, unless you're a pastor. Uh, Usually that's the one exception that we hear from people. Well, of course the pastor is more mature than us all, so much higher. Or maybe people who are a lot older. Of course they are. They've suffered so much. They've done this. They are so much more mature. But then between other believers, no matter how much you've been in the Word, no matter who has helped you um, through and how much you've been discipled, how much ministry you've done, um, maturity is kind of prideful if mm-hmm. you say that you're more mature if you're saying you're mature enough to help others people begin to say oh yeah, well isn't that no very prideful better. and no one's better than anyone else mm-hmm. so you definitely the moment and we've seen this again and again the moment you start to say um, well I'm going to help disciple others I'm going to be the disciple in this group let's get leaders who are more disciplers people say whoa 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 We're all, we're all the same. We're all, Jesus is the real teacher. Mm -hmm. We're just, we're just followers of Jesus. So let's let Jesus lead the small group. Mm -hmm. But then what it actually turns into is more like chaos. Because Mm -hmm. actually the lowest level. Yeah, and the lowest level will usually take over. Because you don't want to correct, because you don't want to call out the, the the person the when the majority all don't have a regular time in the word that becomes the standard for whoever new comes in yeah like again has said that's that's the because the standard is the group the standard yeah, is not a mature I leader yeah Irene <laughs> yeah, that ran into a bunch of people who did not really have a deep spiritual life. And then what she learned from them was that not having a deep spiritual life is normal and to be expected.
1: Yeah. And so her passion for um, growth is actually put off. Mm. So I think another reason is really um, because facilitator, uh, facilitating a, a class is not that difficult to learn. So this can create you know the the quicker but fake reproduction mm. you see what i mean like like someone even pretty new to the face like can you help this is the format can you help to lead this discussion they can do it because that doesn't require them to have a more connect to jesus and have the maturity so but this is the and then people say see we uh grow a new leader mm. so and also the responsibility we mentioned before that it's such a um people just naturally in a modern science try to avoid responsibility because it's such a happy word such, um, you know and then the bottom line is nobody really know how most of people don't know how to disciple other people so that's just facilitate
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, let's quickly jump to the the third uh, testing point is for jesus in his group, he has clear goal. He has clear goal for for everybody. So small group for the thirteen of them gathered together was just a mean. He also used other means to grow them, like to um, go to the missional trip, go to pray for some other people, go to preach um, in front of others, and then take one or two or three of them and um, to do something more. Um, uh, intensive maybe something uh, let them have a closer look so he has actually I think one on one, one to two one to three, one to twelve and then uh, in the public so it's a very um, because he has a clear goal He the goal is to help them to be successful in their ministry help them to really connect to God to know God mm, right? Uh, and all those things they, they are means
0: mm, that's right yeah and I think one thing we see, um, and that one just common sense thing is that unless you have a goal, you'll never reach a place. You know, that's what Solomon said, without a vision, the people perish. Mm-hmm. And something that I think it has to be pointed out is that what we don't see in Scripture is actually is the Holy Spirit coming in and setting goals, actually. We see goals coming from Jesus' words. You know, that the early church went off of Jesus' Great Commission. They went out to judea and the surrounding regions because that's what jesus had said go do but a lot of times i think we expect the goal to come up naturally but then there's no justification for that in scripture um i think another part of this that goes with it too is the cost of discipleship is that um because there's a clear goal the cost can also be understood from the front and people can say either i accept this cost or i don't oh wow that's too much but when there's not a clear goal, it's very fuzzy, and then the goal can shift to whatever, again, the lowest level is so that everyone in the group can equally feel okay. As soon as um, someone in Irene's group, for instance, says, oh, the cost is too high, I have five kids, I don't have time to go out and do evangelism, or I'm too shy, then immediately the group would go down because it you need to have the community People always feel like you you have to have the community. We can't call each other to something that this person doesn't want to go to. And it's Mm. cruel. to. We're not going to kick them out of the group now. That's very cruel. Say, hey, well, you're too busy. You know, your kids are too much of a burden for you. Hey, we're going to kick you out of the group now. So there's this, um, because the cost is never covered, now you have, and the goal is never covered, now it just as people feel like, I can't do that, I don't want to do that, those things just fall away.
1: So this kind of atmosphere of a group actually reinforces the group thinking, which is a, a very powerful but also scary thing that mm-hmm. people follow the majority thinking of the group. And oftentimes in a small group, because of also the false humility, people would more motivated to copy the actually the lower standards other than the um not lower than i mean people who less pursue god are other than people who pursue god mm-hmm. anybody if you have a, a really pursuing god testimony to share then people will applaud and feel like wow you're so special but that's not for me mm-hmm. you know and that's the result of don't have a goal but then someone will say well my group have a goal well I mean, many groups have a goal of like, uh, for this three months, we'll finish reading this book. Mm-hmm. But that's not a real goal. Or they have, even have a goal to reproduction, but oftentimes it's to reproduce the system. So, what I mean, reproduce system or reproduce curriculum.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: for example, what that look like is like, for example, alpha Alpha course. Mm-hmm. If any of you uh, familiar with this so it's a set of curriculum mm. that you meet uh, for three months each week you invite non-believers to the group and then you show a video mm. and then you have people to facilitate so people uh, even new believers if they if they get if they know how to you know make food invite people and show the video then they can hold another alpha group in mm. any setting so this is an example of uh reproduce the system or the curriculum mm. but not uh reproduce not really produce mature disciples who can really evangelize or who can really be who who really grow in maturity.
0: Mm, that's right. Yeah, where the the thing and then sometimes with small groups oftentimes the the goal is to reproduce more small groups and then pastors will feel especially proud if that small group has someone come out of it and they become a leader and start to start another small group that's going through a book or something like that. But you can see this is kind of, uh, it's kind of a multiplication that has the opposite effect. It it has some light deepening in the church, but really it just ends up being uh, more compounding on the current Bad idea of small group being you reproduced.
2: Reproduce a group
1: which doesn't make disciples. Which mm. Doesn't have too much to do with Jesus' great commission.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: So when we when we say a modern small group don't have a goal, it's like they don't have a goal to grow individuals to the next stage in maturity. Mm.
2: Um,
1: so let's see. Number four is uh, missional. Mm. So Jesus group is really missional so Jesus helped them to be not only successful in his ministry, but his ministries all serve to train them to be successful in their future disciple making ministry. Mm -hmm. That they go every each of them actually except for Judah, um they they go everywhere to start disciple making churches Mm. and it's very quick but then if you if you read the book of Acts you find out it's it's so fast for them to convert people and begin to train people and then people begin to train people
0: Mm. right yeah and Jesus had a high standard for people taking on those things too that he was teaching so like when he first met the disciples in Matthew he said you know, come with me and I will make you fishers of men, you know, starting off the idea that, hey, what we're doing here is we're trying to draw others through you, through each of you individually, draw others into the kingdom, you know, I'm going to make you fishermen of people, Um, and then another example is in John 8, you see Jesus talking to the disciples, and he says, "Um, if you abide in the word, then you are truly my disciples, um, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So this abiding in the word, this regularly being in my word, you know, meditating on it, being formed by it, uh, concentrating on it. And then that being the thing that makes you my disciple. This, th- those things are kind of Jesus' way that he's continually setting a high standard for, hey, take on these things. And then obviously when Jesus sends out the 12, that's a pretty, you know, it's almost, it makes your heart Um, throb a little bit or you know nervous when you think about yourself in that role if you were Jesus 12 disciples you're going around with them and then all of a sudden Jesus is like hey now you need to go out and you need to preach this kingdom message and you you can't take money with you you need to just go out you need to preach you need to go and heal people you know hey go do it now you know Jesus had actually a very um missional mindset where he was and that was the purpose of bringing them alongside was let's get let's push you out you know little bird into the the mission mm-hmm. in this world
1: yeah. yeah and come back to the um, modern small group right. so when we say it uh, most often not really happened in small groups. so let me describe the picture like if it happened how does it look like so it should be like so p- for example uh, i have a ladies group maybe five of us and then i know uh each each lady's um kind of the mission field that that god inspired them and it, it could be it could be your family your colleagues you know and then i would sit down maybe with them to discuss like okay so where uh if, if you if you're going to make disciples in your workplace like where do you feel like you're stuck can you can you go by yourself and what um do you, do you know in the first place how to verbally share gospel with other people and uh, how to have an evangelistic Bible study, uh, what materials you can use, and then we discuss, like, what is the difficult? Uh, maybe it's uh, maybe they already know those things. Maybe the difficulty is um, they don't know how to pray for non-believers. Then I'm going to teach her how mm. to pray for her colleagues. Mm. Um, and then, maybe for the other lady is She's stuck in like uh she has a cousin always ask her about difficult questions about God's creation and she don't she doesn't know how to handle that mm. but she should right in in her growth so I'm going to help her with that so help her to unstuck mm. and then eventually we will see that oh she begins to follow up one seekers and mm. and help help uh her relatives or her friends to come Christ and then how to Uh, Follow up that person, Mm -hmm. so that's like the picture of how you help the other person to be successful in her uh, ministry, the mission Mm -hmm. that sent her, the mission field that sent her to.
0: Yeah, and even um, one example I thought of that's pretty common with people who are in the navigators that are really like kind of keeping to the the original kind of standard um, is a lot of times they will go with someone and they will do evangelism. They'll take they'll take um, the person who is beginning to learn in the group and they'll say, hey, why don't you go with me when I meet with this person who I've been sharing the faith with? And then they'll share maybe the bridge or a gospel presentation or something. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it gets that person from the beginning used to this is what Christians do. You know, we go out and we we share our faith or they'll go and have a quiet time, a morning time in the word. With Their normal morning time in the word, they'll invite that person to be there with them, and will say, "Hey, when I'm when I'm doing this, this is what I'm doing. When I'm doing this, this is what I'm doing." And yeah. it sets that missional model that this is what Christians do. These are the actions that Christians
1: do. Yeah, all the do. opposite. Like when they have a, a a target to share the gospel, and um, they don't know how, and then they offer, like, "Can I go with you?" Um, if if someone felt like I can handle by myself, then. Okay go ahead. so it's always with that uh, according to that person's uh need that person's uh, growth stage and and how you cooperate mm-hmm. Uh, with that mm-hmm. so where we are okay number 5 mm-hmm. so uh number 5 is uh, in Jesus practice he he is like go and make disciples is not a very uh fussy and uh, um uh, just a slogan like "you do that." It's like a like an order without modeling. So mm-hmm. Jesus always model
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, what we should do, how how we should follow him, how we should imitate him in a, a specific way. So one of the first is First Corinthians eleven one, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Mm-hmm. So Paul said that to the Corinth Corinthians that he actually called them to imitate him mm. as how he imitate Christ. Mm. So it's a very specific, it's a tangible thing you can follow. Mm.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah, and I think it's, um, in a way, um, just thinking through it, it breaks into a few different areas. One is this idea of pace setting or demonstrating or walking the walk um and a good verse for that is john 13 15 he said for i've given you this example that you should do just as i have done Mm -hmm. and so pace setting means that that person who's leading is modeling through taking on those things in their life you know paul said that he doesn't want to disqualify himself from the blessings he's getting for others so that he um disciplines himself he moves forward he he does those things that he says. He, you know, If he's teaching you to do evangelism, he's out doing evangelism. If he's teaching you to go and teach people um, how to begin certain disciplines or something, he's doing that in his life. If he's teaching you to pray, he has a thorough prayer life, and he's trying to go further in that. Another element is checkup or supervision. So someone who's actually watching and trying to having a way to evaluate if people are growing or not. Not only are you modeling it, but you're seeing if people are picking up what you're modeling it. And Jesus was actually very firm when you read through the gospels about it. Uh, one example is in uh, John 8, when the disciples are discussing um, Jesus' comment about beware the yeast of the Pharisees. And he says, you know, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts so hardened? And this is something he did regularly. He's always saying, Why are why are you being, you know, so ignorant right now? Don't you see this and this and this that I did in front of you? Um, haven't you got it yet? You know, here is let me explain it for you again. And he's he through this he's kind of checking in on them. He's saying, Hey, here's something you haven't got yet. Here I'm gonna re explain it. But he's noticing. He's thinking about, are they picking up these things that I'm actually I'm showing and and displaying and Mm -hmm. all of this goes into the idea of actually reproducing those things you know Jesus said go and make disciples in Matthew 28 Mm -hmm. baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and so Jesus was modeling it and then he was checking on it so that the result would really happen and would really be in the right way
1: yeah, so God really used real persons to teach us those tangible things, you know, mm-hmm. like disciple-making. God really used real persons. Um, it's not like, so like what you said, if Jesus has a real conversation and he was doing something and then let them observe and let them do and help them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the same in our, our, this age. It's not like we read a Bible and then we know how to make disciples and we make disciples. Mm. You always need to learn from a person as a apprenticeship mm. so we 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 completely don't think like you can learn specifically about disciple making from just listening to our podcast mm. um mm. our podcast right. serves especially this theory serves to wake up church to see how big a gap it is that mm. that um include church leaders they need to be discipled. most of them need to be discipled, need to learn those things in practice
0: mm. and i would say just going back to the idea of the modern small group again because you don't have people who have been discipled like ann said um you don't have a model you know, and so until you until you get the step of, like, having that model, um, then small group can't become what it should be. You know, that, that model element has to be, its own time has to be put into it. You know, it has to be developed. People have to be developed to be that sort of model, and that's a kind of pre-step.
1: Yeah, so how many leaders can say that imitate me as I imitate Christ? mm mm-hmm. You know, people, people really scared to say that. But then even if you don't say that, if you start a small group, people will imitate you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in a judgment day, you will be responsible for the people who, who imitate you, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Um, but we should imitate our, um, the, our disciples. So the last point, um, I particularly put it here, is called the truth matters. So truth really matters to Jesus, we say. And then in uh, one of the first I can think of is Matthew seven twenty nine, 29. And uh, it's other people talk about him. It says, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So think about it that um, the scribes at that time, when they talk about the Old Testament truth, mm-hmm. they oftentimes talk in a... Uh, kind of the uh, not-so-sure way. They quote other people, and they oftentimes say it's controversial, just like um, people in our time, right? But when Jesus teach, he teach about yes is yes, no is no. It's just very like truth really matters. Mm. Um, so think about um, so let's look at the teachings before that, like what he really said in uh, Matthew 7 from 5 to 21. Uh, He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are uh, ravenous ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Grapes gathered from farm bushes or sticks from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear uh, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So you can see it's like nothing really fussy or gray. Like, oh, mm. well, I'm not sure. But, but we, like oftentimes we say, we, uh, we don't know everything. You know, only God knows. And mm. um, uh, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Um so, thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You so see, he, everything he says is so sure. So, people, mm. when people, that's why those people were, uh, were, were they the people sent to, to catch him, to to, mm. to get him to report back? And then they say, Wow, her his uh, his teaching is so different. It's like mm. someone who has authority of the truth. Mm. So it's not like authority in a like a high position, but then it's someone who's so sure.
2: Mm.
1: And mm-hmm. then let's okay. um, look at and then let's look at his followers in uh, Acts four. I like Acts four, uh, verse twelve to thirteen. Um, actually, when when people caught. Um, when uh when when Peter and John were caught in the prison um uh they say and there is um, and they and they say peter uh replied them uh with the Holy Spirit and he said uh of all the the persecution and pressure and he said and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So Mm -hmm. here, um, by what they recognized them, it's by their boldness. So their boldness to face the persecution, but not only that, it's their boldness in preaching that their clarity in the authority of truth that they simply say like uh, on verse 12 actually they simply say Jesus is the only way mm-hmm. and even you're a Jew you know you, you you wouldn't be saved without Jesus name okay mm-hmm. so it's so it's just so sure no mm-hmm. wishy-washy you know
0: Mm-mm. yeah that's right I think um, and this is such a big part of what the church has lost in a lot of ways, um, for the sake of um, just and what, trying to be nice, and also like this kind of dis- intellectual disconnect of saying that uh, you know you, it's being godly is not being thorough. Being thorough is being legalistic. You know, there's this whole distinction that really it, it's a big blockage to real growth and to really pursue um, what what God is saying it has for us um and i think i hope that through these things i know one thing that it always it brings up in my mind again and again is when i think about what the church culture a lot of times is pushing out and then you read these stark statements from jesus or the way that his disciples are perceived you see a gap you know a gap between between what we're doing and what jesus his attitude was and so um I think we have to do more than just notice the gap. Mm -hmm. We also need to move towards how can we respect the truth in the way that Jesus respected the truth, hold it in an authoritative way, the way his disciples did, Mm -hmm. the way they were noticed for because they held it in an authoritative way. Mm -hmm. This isn't necessarily like, you know, they say like Bible thumpers, like you going and hitting another person in the back of the head and saying, oh, you shouldn't drink. But this is um, this is sticking to the truth, and when we read passages in Scripture and they say a certain thing, we we don't at all have a filter where we try to lighten Jesus' words with our own understanding, with our own fear of, of hurting others, with our own fear of uh, causing others um, to feel uncomfortable. We should let Jesus and his words say what they say, and then we should also take up those things that he said. And ourselves say those things.
1: And here, John eighteen thirty seven, uh, when Pilate, uh, when when um, Pontius Pilate asked Jesus, "So you are a king?" And Jesus answered, "You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth." It, it just it just mm-hmm. broke my heart to see that that Jesus even when Jesus answered to Pilate, he described his purpose of his life is to bear witness to the truth. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, when we ask ourselves, how many of us don't really care about the truth too much? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. so many things, even something more clear. I'm not saying the something not important, like in the first Corinthians chapter 10, those, like, whether you can you need or not, uh, what, what date you should celebrate. Um, those things, Bible clearly say, God doesn't care. It's not important. But then the important thing, so many things people allocate to, well, I'm not theologist. I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, you know, only God knows. It's controversial. Many things allocate to be controversial.
0: Mm. Mm. And
1: Jesus sacrifices lies. For truth.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, to yeah, bear witness to that truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right.
1: Yeah, we don't find people like what well, we just read, like Peter and John, too often nowadays. Mm-hmm. And we should all imitate them, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's our example that we have, you know, like Philippians uh, 4.17, you know, to to follow those who have set this example. Um, and so, you know, there's that's that is the that's the image in a lot of ways that we're meant to strive towards. Um, yeah, so it's really important that we think about how we can be more like them, more like Jesus, and yeah, how and we do ministry. Yeah, think
1: about those uh, past uh, revivals in history, like John Wesley. Like he is a perfect example that he really stick onto the truth. He really respected God's purpose. Uh, uh he really, he really uh stick on
2: to those truths, mm. right? right? In a big
1: way that even many people stone him. I mean many mm. people beat him and <laughs> chase him out of the town, you know? mm. So this this is the biggest part of today's talk. Mm. But we also want to run another shorter test, uh which is which is the historical test, uh in America, how this small group movement start.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we can Think about this for uh, just a couple of minutes. I mean, uh, so for small groups and Sunday schools, actually, they're they're both tied to um, not too long ago. Um, Sunday schools kind of started in the late 1700s, 1780s, and it was mainly a tool for teaching kids to, to be able to read in order to be able to read the scriptures and be able to study them and things like that. So it was more of like a schooling thing to school people so that they would learn um, the word in the 1920s, um, the small small groups became a thing. Before that, you didn't really have small groups in churches, and it became it kind of came out of these kind of mission movements. It came out of kind of it was strengthened kind of in the Billy Graham movement and those things. And what the hope was was that to get people more concentrated on Jesus and the the mission that we were being called to, that people weren't focused enough on that mission something that was coming out through those crusades and things like that was in a lot of the way the church needed to go deeper. It needed to be more focused on the mission. Um, but one thing that we can see through the history of small groups is um, there's just a very short time where that was really a um, something that built um, in the church. It, it hasn't yet had the sort of effect that those who founded the small group movement kind of desired to see. They desired to see people well, now that you have these revival movements and everything, we're we're going to start to go out. And, I mean, you saw some mission movements come from that. But I think anyone who takes an honest look at the church today can see that uh, it has not really brought us back into or into the sort of church that God desires to see. It has not brought us into a really disciple-making church that is producing reproducers who are going to go out into the world and bring people to Jesus and help them to follow him and teach them to obey the things that he has commanded.
1: Mm -hmm. So even uh, compared to the historical revival movement, Mm -hmm. our modern uh, small group still fall short. Mm -hmm. Um, So, well, so I know it's um, pretty um, analytical and pretty uh, happy message maybe Mm -hmm. for today's episode. So I just want to restate our, our purpose that we, we, we're not happy to see um, the falling sh- falling short of small groups functions in a uh, great commission in disciple making,
2: mm, you know, yeah. we,
1: it broke our heart. And that's why actually we put our effort to help churches to go into a church, to coach a church, to disciple, to train um, church leaders, to help a church to transform. So, um, and, and it's hard, hard work. And so we hope uh today's um episode serves like a um how to say, like like in the fairy tale, the the em the emperor's new clothes to, to to say like, hey, he's naked. But to point out the problem is we really hope the emperor can put his clothes on so he mm. wouldn't patrol on, you know, naked.
0: mm okay. um, Yeah. Mm -hmm, exactly and i just want to kind of repeat some of those main points is um jesus's group had selection where he selected certain disciples um it had a master discipler who was jesus it had a clear goal and the cost was understood Mm -hmm. Um, it was missional and it was aimed towards really sending people out and and making people more like jesus and making them able to go out and bring others into the kingdom to do the kingdom work and it had a model it had a certain way of being that was meant to be copied and moved forward and redone that was checked up on and was was an expectation so those are those are some of the those elements and then and finally the truth mattered so Jesus knew the truth he in a very detailed way he he kept to the truth. He spoke with authority and then he taught his disciples to speak with authority saying that what they said was the truth. It wasn't just a truth, it wasn't um well, you know, you everyone has their own opinion. It was mm. they spoke with the authority of God and then that that was it. That was that they they didn't have any doubts that what they were saying was was accurate and would help others to really be saved.
2: Mm.
1: So thank you for listening to us. We think uh, this, we hope this can give you much to uh, think about and please comment down below and subscribe us.
2: Mm. Thank you